You're listening to the Wealthy Future Lawyer Squad podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Klein. I've created a signature coaching program for law students to show you how to build confidence, design your dream life, create wealth, and thrive in law school and beyond. I am here to show you how to work on both your money and your mind so you too can become a wealthy future lawyer. Let's get started, squad. Welcome back to the Wealthy Future Lawyer Squad podcast. I am so excited to be sitting here today with my friend, my financial advisor, a triple threat. We're going to tell we're going to tell now you what that means. <laughs> no, I've I've had such a pleasure getting to know you this year. You you're such a cool guy. I knew you had to be on here. You had to be my first male guest. I was like Chad has to be the one. So you're you're the first one on this podcast. I'm not honored. a woman. I'm honored. <laughs> I'm honored to have you on here. I think you're going to be really inspiring to all the law students out there listening. You have a really cool story. You have a cool path. Um, I'm very fascinated by it. I think it's really, I think the way that you've kind of crafted your career is genius. So I'm really excited to hear more about you. So tell Thank us you. about yourself. Tell us about sure. your firm, all all the things. So I'll kind of give you the the backstory since uh, you feel it's you know very unique. Um I didn't start out thinking I was going to be a financial advisor. Um, I went to the University of Florida and um, I, I knew I was going to be in business and the best business degree you can get typically is an accounting degree. Um, so I did a, a bachelor's and master's program there and I was going to go right to law school. Um, oh, went really? As far, yeah. Went as far as paying my seat deposit to FSU um, and then my mom got sick and um, family is super important to me. And you said, you know what, I have these degrees, let me sit for the CPA exam and, and go into practice. Yeah. And what I found was I absolutely loved strategy and concepts. Um, but I'm sure after knowing me for almost a year now, you probably can tell that sitting behind a desk is the furthest thing that would ever suit my personality. Yeah, you do not have a typical CPA personality. No. And that was the response <laughs> I used to get when I would be out, people like, you're a CPA? Um, and... You know, it was coming around like 2009, 2010. Um, I was 28. I was single, no kids, um, really no responsibility. And I said, well, if I don't go to law school now, I'm never going to do it. Right. Um, so I uh, applied to Florida International University down in Miami um, or Kendall, depending on how well you know Miami. <laughs> um, and, and really fell in love again with concepts and strategy. Uh, but towards the end of my 1L year, I quickly came to the realization that everyone I was in law school with, for the most part, did not know anything about how to handle their money, what to do with it. Um, mm -hmm. They were taking out way too much student loans, didn't know about taxes. And um, you take that combined with the fact that many times, unless you own your own firm, you're kind of still that person behind the desk, not really interacting with the client on the legal side. And I said, you know what, I'm going to become an attorney. Um, but I decided then at the end of 1L year that yeah. I was going to take as many business law and tax law and fi yeah, anything financial related I could to start a financial planning practice, um, which I did uh, in 2013, pretty much right after passing the bar. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, thanks. That's really cool. It's funny when I when someone told me I, I should take a tax class, I was like, 
heck no, I don't want to <laughs> take it. So that was really smart that you did that. I ended up taking one, obviously, and went down that road. But that was smart that you kind of planned that out ahead of time. And it's and so it also, interesting. not for nothing, it made law school a little bit easier because I did yeah. have the CPA background. You had background. the background, yeah. So I'm sure there was a lot of things that were being repeated, or at least you had the background that, that helped out. That's, yeah. that's really cool. And that's interesting that you knew so early on one L year that you kind of had a plan. So I feel like most law students one L year, they they think they might have a plan, but they think maybe I want to litigate or they've watched sure. suits or something. And so they think that's, sure. you know, that's what well, they want to do. That was the other thing, um, you know, going through different internships because I still wanted to, you know, give myself the full chance of mm. being, you know, what is practicing an attorney, what I want to do. And for those that are listening that have started to do internships or practice in the real world, um, the practice of law couldn't be further from what is shown on yes. TV. Yes. Um, and, you know, you couple all of that with everything else I was kind of feeling and having the realization of, I realized there was a really big opportunity to, to make an impact immediately. And so um, pretty much out of law school, a lot of my peers that I graduated with became clients early oh, on. Wow. Um, because I wish I would have known you when I graduated <laughs> law school. I could have used the help. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's the most common answer, right? Because you finish with a ton of debt. Um, you start earning income most likely for the first time in your life. Right. And, you know, everyone's kind of paralyzed. What do I do? Do I pay off my loans? Do I save? Do I enroll in my company's benefits. Um, how do I enroll in my company's benefits? You know, what are benefits? Like, you right. know, sometimes I take for granted that people understand these things and yeah. the reality of it is most people don't. Um, yeah. And so a big part of what I do for, as a financial planner is first and foremost, educate. Um, I think everyone should have the information they need to be empowered really to make strong and smart financial decisions, but from a point of being educated and not necessarily from what you read or what you see on TV. And I know I'm sure we're going to get to, you know, different books and things that, that, you know, that I would recommend or not recommend. Um, but every individual is different yeah. and it's important to really hone in on that and, um, you know, and educate. Yeah. I think you all can see why I asked Chad to be on the podcast because it ties in so nicely with what we're always talking about on here, which is, you know, money is not overly complicated, but if you don't pay attention to it, and a lot of times that that means having someone who is experienced, who can kind of sit you down and kind of force you to look at everything and make a plan. If you don't have that, you're kind of just going through the whole process blind. And one of my, one of my biggest things and something that I've seen over the years working with so many high earning partners at these big firms, a lot of them, I don't think either they don't have an advisor or they don't take any risks or I don't know what the deal is, but so many of them just feel like they don't have money and they feel like they don't have options and freedom. Sure. And for me personally, that is like one of my biggest values. And I'm sure a lot of law students are, right now are just thinking, I just want to get a good job. I just want to do okay. But you want to set yourself up for even if you do take that good job, if you want to switch one day, you want to pivot, if you want to mm -hmm. start your own firm, if you want to get out of the practice of law altogether, if you start yourself on that solid financial ground from the beginning, you're going to open up the possibilities down the road as you as you go through your practice so i think absolutely it's really life, cha cool. life changes life changes you know, yeah every I year mean, not every just quarter financial stuff right it's not just hey the yeah. market 
crashed or taxes went up. Right. You know, that's the financial stuff, but there's the real life stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, people who weren't financially solvent or financially free when COVID hit struggled. Right. Yeah. And so one of the things that we preach from a financial standpoint is just doing things in the right order so that when the unexpected happens, you're in a position of strength where you're not, you know, you're going to be affected, but it's not yeah. going to cripple you or affect you to the point that you're going to be put in a, in a really bad situation. Yeah. When you, when you were deciding that you were going to kind of go, I think they're always called like an alternative route. You know, you read these articles, you can go alternative routes, which I feel like sure. when, when we graduated was more like, because there sometimes there weren't a lot of legal jobs. Some people were like, well, you can go an alternative route, but you had a plan. And I was blown you had away. A... You know, a lot of people go into law school. I didn't mean to cut you no, off No, no, no. But a lot of people go into law school thinking that you're going to come out making six figures. Right. Right. And then, so imagine my surprise where after practicing as a CPA for four years, oh, yeah, I finished yeah. law school and the highest job offers I was getting was $70,000, $80,000 a year yeah. when I was making more than that prior. Right. right. So I think people also need to have expectations when it comes to, you know, you can't go to law school just because you think you're going to get a large salary or you're going to make a lot of money. Right. Um, you know, you really got to either go because you want to practice law or you're going to utilize the degree to what you were saying for an alternative path. Yeah. Um, which is not uncommon. Um, I can't begin to tell you the amount of CEOs and executives that I work with that are clients yeah. that are attorneys right. and they just went a different path. Yeah. When I went to law school, I didn't know if I was going to practice. I just figured the, the market was really bad. So I was going to bide my time. And I figured no one would be able to mess with me if I had a law degree, whether I went into business for myself, whatever it is. So I, I, I agree completely. When you were making that decision, because I feel like when I was in law school, it was mm -hmm. very much like you need to try to get with the big firm. You need to try to do this. You know, they were there were like very clear paths laid out. And I feel like if people kind of veered from those paths, maybe professors or other attorneys would try to you know, dissuade them? Were, were people on board with your plan or did you ever get any negative feedback? I didn't get any negative feedback. Um, you know, I know every law program is different, um, but FIU had a really diverse curriculum, um, you know, and and so people were engaged and, and supportive of it. That's awesome. Um, you know, with that being said, you know, other classmates kind of looked at you like, hey, you're stealing our spot in the rankings mm. or because, you know, everyone really? knows law school is competitive. Wow. Yeah. And, and it was a little bit of resentment on that side, not necessarily from faculty or professors, but I felt it more from law students. Right. Or even when I finished, you know, because building a business, you know, for anyone that's interested in building a business, first year is not always like, you know, yeah. rainbows and ponies and everything amazing. Like you have to kind of build over time. And so I knew I was making much less in my first two years than I would have made as an attorney. And, you know, a lot of my attorney friends were like, what are you doing? Just come practice, just come practice. And, um, but you saw the bigger picture. Saw the bigger the picture. Game. Yeah. I'm sure you're probably making a lot more money than them now, but <laughs> well, we... <laughs> that's another. No, but it's true. I mean, I think a lot of decisions we make sometimes if we're not necessarily following the crowd, you're going to get that, that pushback or maybe people are trying to look out for you, but if you have that bigger picture in place and like you know where you're going, sometimes those those risks can really pay off. Absolutely. So how was the first few years? Like how was it building a business? I'm building a law firm right now, sure. but I'm sure it's you know similar in some ways and different in others. The first few years were difficult. Um, fortunately for me, it wasn't as difficult as it usually is for someone trying to start their their financial planning practice. 
mainly because I already had a large group of people from prior professions, mm-hmm. from the different areas I've lived in, yeah. um, even from law school that knew me from a credible standpoint already. Um, but the success rate in the industry typically is, you know, 10% make it through their first four years. So it was wow. a lot of, um, you know, work, but also in putting together a business plan, um, I, and it kind of ties into this podcast is I started working with grad students. Um, going into other law schools, um, teaching their 3L students on what to do with their money, going into medical residencies and dental residencies, um, because those people, while not high earners yet, there were still needs that they had. How do you manage your student loans? Um, You know, it's probably the most basic question I get asked, right? But nonetheless, there still were needs to be addressed. And so I did a lot uh, around that those markets, and now ten years later, they're all very high income earners, business yeah. owners, and so it's about you know, I think in any business you can find your path. Um, it's just about thinking big picture and not yeah. focusing on the day to day, and that comes with wealth in general. People just are constantly looking for what you know, what's your account value or what's your net worth, but all of that's meaningless if it's not doing for you what you want it to do for you. So true. Um, money's definitely not happiness. I can I can tell you that. Yeah. No, it's it's so true. For those who are listening, and obviously we're not going to give financial advice, but for those who are listening with law school debt, like what's like the main thing that you usually recommend to people as, yeah. as they're trying to plan out what they want to do? So first and foremost is, you know, attacking your law school debt is about finding balance because there's people that get out and they want to right away you know, hammer home their debt, be done in 10 years, mm-hmm. right? And that may be good and great if, and, and this is why I say every situation is different. If you're independently wealthy, you have family money um, or something like that, that may yeah. be a good strategy. Yeah. But if you're not, right, there's still other things you have to do. You know, you have to build up emergency funds for yourself because if not, the first thing that, the first flat tire you get, now you're going into credit card debt, right? right? And so building up emergency funds, um, building up savings for other things you want to do, right? You know, if it's buying a house, which I know is kind of crazy for some people in this market right now. Um, but with that being said, I always had that goal as well. So for me, it was about finding balance between repaying the debt, but also not neglecting all of the other factors that come in to wealth. Um, you know, compounding of money is probably the greatest Thing from a planning tool someone can have and the earlier you start saving the better off you'll be and, and with student debt you can change your payment plans at any point in time yeah. right and so you can start where most people start on some sort of income-based repayment plan um, which works out great typically for people finishing school because your payment is zero since you are no income right, the year right. before um, yeah. but really about seeing what's right for you you know if someone's going to work in a public institution well, they'll qualify potentially for the public, you know, loan forgiveness program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really about each year deciding what the right um, repayment program is for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I can tell you personally what I did is after year five, I switched off of income-based and refinanced. Mm. The reason why is income-based is income-based. And as your income grows, eventually it becomes more than what a regular repayment would be. Yeah. But to that point, you know, it allowed me to buy a home and to build up savings and to, you know, make sure all of the risks that could happen today were addressed because if those happen, you're not paying back your student loans anyway. Right. Yeah. I think it's so key um, to really 
every year, every quarter, whatever it is, like sit down and really think about what you're spending, even in law school, what your budget is, how much are you going to take out in student loans and just being aware of it. And then you can make decisions based on sure. that awareness. But I feel like when I got out of law school, I, st I did stick my hand in the sand for a little while with the loans. I kind of like flip-flopped and then I was like, well, no, everyone I'm going to pay their own them path. off. That's what I'm saying. You know, everyone yeah. has their, yeah. their own path. There's no right or wrong path. It's a yeah. matter of how does it fit into your overall picture. Yeah. I kept trying the different paths. Then I switched. I'm going to pay it off as quickly as possible. Then eventually I settled on the, the Look, income. don't get me wrong, right? By refinancing... I lost out on three years of no payments that mm. a lot of people in the federal program just had because of everything that went on during COVID. So, I know. you know, there's pros and cons, but... Um, I paid you know, mine off already. I was like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it definitely is the thing most prevalent on people's minds yeah. when they're finishing. Yeah. No, no. I thank you for that. I think that's going to be helpful for, for a lot of people. Yeah, so the best I thing I can say is, you know, don't live like an attorney when you're in law school. I'm sure you guys yes. get told that in your programs, yeah. but or even in your first few years of law practice, even if you're even if you get that big firm salary, be smart with it. You know, just set aside yeah. some money. And just so because you... your salary is big doesn't mean you're keeping all that money, right? right? You know, when you're in law school, you don't have responsibilities for the most part. Yeah, right. You're not yeah. having you know probably living off of your loans, not having to pay your rent with your income, not paying income taxes, right. which erodes wealth quickly. Yes. Um, not having to pay for your benefits. The list can go on and on and on, but quickly your salary, your six-figure salary can become a $60,000 net salary when mm -hmm. all is said and done. No, it's it's so true. So how would you say your views towards money and wealth have changed from law school, even pre-law school to, to now, flash forward to now? Sure. Um, first and foremost, things are way more expensive than you ever imagined them to be. Um, you know, I think back to when I was a kid and what I used to think a million dollar home would look like is, you know, I would think <laughs> no. it would be 10 bedrooms on, on the intercoastal, you know, and, and now you're getting, you know, a four bedroom in Davie. Yep. Um, not that there's wild. anything wrong with it. They're beautiful homes, it's but wild. just the vision of what things cost and, and what true wealth is, mm -hmm. um, matters. You know, another thing, another shift um, kind of ties in with what I was saying earlier is that it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep, yeah. right? And in South Florida in particular, a lot of people have the, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses syndrome and, you know, people are on debt maxed out as possible with driving in BMWs and Mercedes. Yeah. And so, you know, it's about how much you keep. Um, and the other thing too, and I said it before, it's about what your money's doing for you, right? Yeah. And so for example, um, a lot of people right away try and start maxing out their 401k, right, when they get a job. Well, that's good and great, but you can't touch that till 59 and a half without taxes and penalties. And you may not have anything liquid that you may need to buy a house or may need to go grocery shopping with and all of these things. So right. it's really a mindset shift um, and also a responsibility shift. You know, we touched upon that before, right? You have a lot more responsibility when you finish law school and you know, you got to account for, for all of those things and think about what what's going to make you happy. Um, you know, just having millions of dollars doesn't make you happy if it's sitting locked up in a bank account somewhere. Right. Yeah. Or having maybe the, the biggest, fanciest house. Maybe it does or maybe it doesn't. Maybe you just thought that's what you needed Yeah, some people, be. it is happiness for them. Yeah. And that's yeah. fine. We build plans around right. that. And that's one of the biggest differences probably with my practice is a lot of advisors are just focused on growing assets and and what the account value is, right? I'm completely goal-based, right? And I, it's like, hey, where are that. you today? And not to give, 
you know, a dreaded law school example, but if you think of it in terms of an IRAC, you know, like you're writing an essay, right? Like <laughs> what's your issue you're trying to solve financially? Me as the advisor, what rule fits that issue? How yeah. do we apply it? And what, what are we going to try and do to get you from A to B? Yeah, and finding the that. right strategy. It may not be investing in the stock market if, you know, you're in an aggressive account, if your goal is to buy a home in a year, right? You would need to be in something more conservative. So it's really yeah. about finding what's right based on the goals and not just maximizing rate of return. Yeah. And I think sitting down and figuring out like, are your, whatever your goals are, are they your goals because you think they're what's supposed to be, what your goals are supposed to be? Or what do you really care about? How do you want your life to look in five years, 10 years? Not sure. just checking off boxes as you go. I think, I think that's great that you, you sit down with people and really dig into that. Um, I think I can definitely see like your personality. You're so, you're so confident and you're so intelligent. I think having all that background and then being able to sit down with people and be like a human being and have that personal touch. I think when people think of finance, sometimes they think of it as very dry and boring sure. and like numbers based only, which Calculators, that's can do, a part calculators can do all the numbers based stuff. Right? Yeah. It's the strategy behind the numbers that yeah. is really important. No, that's really cool. What would you say your best choice that you've ever made with respect to money? Um, this probably is going to sound cliche, but it's investing in myself. Um, you know, from grad school to law school, um, you know, and, and it can't stop once you get those degrees either, right? Even for those attorneys, when you finish, you know, you want to keep educating yourself in different areas, right? Yeah. So I've still taken exams to this day. Um, you know, I've become a CFP, um, you know, all the investment licenses yeah. and, and really the, the education component, um, you know, you get far greater return on investing in yourself or into your business than you do from investing into the stock market, right? Yeah. Because higher education typically comes with more money from whatever you are doing. You're more of an expert in that. Yeah. Um, so that is definitely one of the best decisions. And the other is really coming back to the student loans, finding the balance, um, you know, I didn't aggressively pay it off right away strategically. Um, now they're almost paid off, right? But I'm 10 years out of law school, which is the normal repayment plan anyway. And so right. I still got it done as if I had aggressively paid it done off the yeah. entire time. Yeah. You just did it in a way that worked for you and, and for your goals. Yeah. I think that's great. What would you say the worst decision you've ever made with respect um, to money? So this is something that I urge everyone to think about when they start like accumulating wealth and making money. Um, with more money comes more people coming out of the woodworks wanting help from you mm. for different things, right? Hey, can you lend me money for this or for that? Yeah. Um, and it gets really tough sometimes, especially with family members. And, um, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of the specific example, right? But we can say that there's money that I've lent to people that I trusted that I have not seen mm. in many, many years. Wow. Um, and so, you know, be protective of your wealth um, and don't get caught up also in the craze. You know, um, when all the meme stocks like um, GameStop or the cryptos were going crazy, that was yeah. all based on other what other peoples were speculating and just driving things up. Yeah. And you can't get caught in that. You have to have strong principles and foundations and you know, the same way people have a, a, a gym coach, it's like they need a financial coach to hold you accountable and make sure you're staying on the path that you want to be on and not getting caught in the craze. Because don't get me wrong, a lot of people made a lot of money during that time, but they also didn't know when to get out. 
Right. And right. then they try to keep digging themselves out of the hole, putting more money in, thinking, hey, yeah. it's going to come back. It's going to come back. Right. So it's important that you kind of stick to principles and not necessarily get caught up in, in the craze. Yeah. And I mean, not that I, I don't... water cooler talk, right? You yeah. Know, yeah. Um, you're at the office. Everyone's sitting there. Hey, what do you do? Oh, my guy said this or my guy said that. Yeah. And... See, I, I maybe I missed that boat in a way because I've always been conservative in the sense that if I don't understand something, I don't even touch it. Yeah. So before I ever invested in real estate, I literally listened to hundreds of podcasts on it till I got comfortable enough that I could, Sure. you know, and there's still been mistakes made and things happen. But I think that's really a great way to put it, a coach, because I'm at that I'm at that phase now in my career. That's why I want to work with you because I'm like, okay, I only know so and much. You did a great I, job so far. Thank you. Thank you. We got ourselves so far, but I'm like, now is the time when I need the coach. And I probably honestly needed it a few years back, but you know, it's always it's it's a hard thing to sit down and do sure. and just focus on it and set the the time aside. But it's so, so important. You know, yeah. it really is. And, and kind of to elaborate a little bit on what you said. It's really important too to think about who you're getting, you know, even reading or listening to advice from. Yeah. Right. Because every person's situation is different. And most of the people that have the biggest followings, the Dave Ramseys, the Susie Ormans, right? I can't tell you the amount of attorneys I meet with that kind of abide by them. Right. And then I know why you're laughing, but um, <laughs> but point being is that those people are trying to, to reach the biggest audience possible, yeah. right? They're writing books, they're on television, but the, you know, to do that, they're preaching to the mass audience and the mass audience does not typically have the income that attorneys have. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the things that they're recommending, you do have to take with a grain of salt because they really yes. might not apply to you. Right. Uh, it might be in a different universe than you. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, it's really important to look into, okay, is the person credible that I'm listening to? Is it, you know, advice that's relevant to me? Right. 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 No, I agree. I, I agree. I, I've, I, I'm not a big fan of this just because I feel like it's, I come, I try to come from a very abundant mindset when it comes to money. And sometimes that does involve taking out some debt and taking exactly calculated risks. And sometimes that's not the right move, but I, it's There's money, good debt and bad debt. There's good debt and there's bad debt. And, you know, there's different phases in life and career where maybe you have to take more risks and you have to take more chances or you pull back and you don't. So I think, for me, the cookie cutter, you know, stay debt free advice is is sure. doesn't really sit well with, you know, trying to dream big and you can live a very nice life without debt, yeah. right? But at the same time, you may not get to the next level of wealth, right. right? Because if you want to buy that investment property, the second property, how might you do that if you don't have capital? Well, right. you would tap the equity in your current house or yeah. different things like that. And I don't, you know, this is obviously just very generally speaking, but it's a way to grow wealth in a, in a strategic way. Yeah. I, even going to law school, I know a lot of listeners that one of their biggest questions going back to law school debt is, how do I, what do I do? How do I deal with it? And I think they've turned into this like big, ugly, scary monster in the corner. And it's like you have now, obviously costs of law school have risen, like that's a whole sure. other conversation. But in general, you've made an investment in yourself and no one can ever take yeah. that away the from you. The easiest way to think about your debt from law school is not necessarily about the balance, but what the monthly payment is, mm -hmm. right? The balance is going to be there. Yeah. If the monthly payment fits within your budget, yeah. why aggressively yeah. pay it off if you can be diverting those funds to things that will grow wealth for you and you could still pay off 
right? Do that whenever you want. Right. And the education you've gained, the experience, the earning potential, there's there's so many things that you can't just think about it, you know, in that vacuum sure. of, oh, debt's bad. It's horrible. I, why did I do this? Why did I go to law school? Why, you know, no one told me I was going to have all this debt. No, it's it's so true. I, I know we're not going to talk a ton about books, but do you have any just like simple finance books that people can go out and read just to just to start to get the, you know, an idea of money and yeah, what's interesting is a lot of people um, many times think of just Tony Robbins as this motivational speaker, which he, he is obviously, but he's also written some really good, you know, finance books. Yeah. Um, and so Un Unbreakable is, is um, you know, phenomenal. Um, you know, Ray Dalio, who is probably one of the most brilliant investors of, of our time, wrote a book called Principles, right? So it's, it's not about specific strategies, it's about principles and, mm -hmm. and having the right principles in place. Yeah. Um, you know, so going, you know, reading those people that are um, giving general concepts and not saying, hey, pay off all your debt. Right. It's about weighing the pros and cons. And they kind of do a great job on the on principles and and building a foundation. Um, another one I really love is called Paychecks and Playchecks. Oh, oh, I haven't read this one. OK, I love when I hear a new one. I get really excited. Yeah. Paychecks and Playchecks. But the, one of the main things about that is, you know, you build wealth your whole life to one day retire. Right. And what's the most important thing about retirement? It's the income that you're going to receive every single month that you can live on. Right. Yeah. And so that's kind of the concept is developing a plan where once that retirement comes, you know, you have your paycheck through whatever strategy makes sense to have that that guaranteed income coming in. And then you have your paychecks for all the travel you want to do, spoiling of the grandkids. And so, you know, thinking about it that's from cool. that way really helps, um, yeah. you know, and then those are probably the, the main money ones. Um, you know, one person that I follow a lot is a guy by the name of Michael Kitsis. Um, I, I believe I actually shared his, that yeah. with you yesterday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, he is phenomenal in terms of the advice he gives on, on his blog, Nerds Eye View. Um, he has a phenomenal a podcast, but it's, it's real practical advice. It's, it's, and it's sound advice. It's yeah. not there to sell you something. It's not there to shift your mindset, but it's really stuff you can digest and, yeah. and apply to your personal situation. That's cool. I'm excited to listen because I, I love a good nerdy money podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you could tell your 1L self, Chad, anything, 1L Chad, what would you what would you tell him? Oh, man, there's so much. There's so much. Um, first is to back away from the competitiveness of what law school brings, because at the end of the day, many of the people that you're in law school with are either going to become really good friends, but also probably going to become clients or referral sources in some capacity. Yeah. And if you're known as that competitive person that's just out there to beat the next person, you're not going to be getting referrals in in your practice. Um, you know, so that's one. Um, two would be, you know, for those that haven't considered alternative paths, right? You know, I don't know what the stat is, but I think it's about 50% of attorneys don't practice law, mm. right? So if it's that large of a percentage, don't be closed off to the other opportunities that might, you know, be there for you that aren't a traditional legal practice yeah. um, or practicing as a traditional attorney in the courtroom or whatever it may be. So get exposure, right? right? Don't just go down and say, hey, I'm going to take every crim law class I can or every, you know, or whatever it may be, yeah. right? Take those business classes, take 
take the tax law classes, take yeah. contracts. I mean, I know they make you take contracts, but maybe a second level because yeah. business is done with contracts. And so Absolutely. even the financial strategies I use, the amount of clients that I have gotten from reviewing the underlying contracts of what they invested in and mm. finding out that it was complete garbage because wow. they didn't read the contract, right? So you can learn so much in law school that can be applied to other areas. Yeah. Um, so I would consider that. I was having coffee with my law partner and a, a law student who actually was in my my beta version of the law school blueprint for her. And my my law partner, Kristen, said something really interesting. She's like, while you're in law school, take as many different internships and classes as, as you as you want. Yeah. Obviously, if you have a focus, take some classes, but do other things too. This is the time to learn and yeah. explore I mean, before I did you have an, a job. I did an externship with an in-house counsel. I um, practiced in a really small estate planning law firm. I, you know, I did an internship in a bankruptcy firm, right? So I, I got diverse exposure to yeah. these different areas. Now, granted, clearly I'm not practicing, but I really wanted to see the full scope. Yeah. How, how are you going to what know what goes there. on on a day-to-day basis within that that area of practice? Exactly. It kind of goes back to like undergrad. I think it's ridiculous that they make you declare a major right away or they encourage yeah. it because you're 18 years old. How the heck yeah, do you know what you, you want to do? You don't. You don't. You have no idea. Right? Like, I don't even know what I want to eat tomorrow. Right. You know? <laughs> I was a psych major and I was like, this is interesting, but I have no idea what I would actually do with this. So Yeah. Or someone like me, right? I knew from the very beginning I was not interested in accounting, but I was doing well at it. So I just, yeah. I'm like, all right, this is what I declared. I'm going to stay with accounting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which in hindsight worked, it worked out, out really well, well because you have the background of an attorney, a CPA, and a financial advisor, which is like I said, the triple threat. That's, that's amazing. It's really yeah. cool. Congratulations. <laughs> Where can guests find out more about you? So um, obviously LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, you can just search my name, Chad Torin. Um, my website is coast, mycoastalwealth.com. Um, and there's a whole bunch of stuff on there and um, resources, calculators, tools. Amazing. Um, but honestly, I'm, I'm an open book. And so if you want to you know, share my phone number or email on you know, your show notes, um, more than welcome to, um, you know, happy to share here at C Torin at My Coastal Wealth. Perfect. Um, we'll find the show yeah, notes. Happy to, you know, like I said, I still to this day, 10 years later, am passionate about going back and educating in grad programs. And it's by far the least profitable thing that I do for my practice. But it's also the most rewarding because yeah. the eyes that light up when you share a concept with someone that they had no idea about. You know, you don't get that when you're dealing with someone worth 30, 40 million dollars. You know, they're kind of trying to tell you what to do. Right. Even though they might not know what the heck they're talking about. They're like, no, 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 I need you need to do this. And what? Like, no, I've never had that um, experience. So it's before. very rewarding. And so I do like love going into, you know, programs and doing the educational stuff. Yeah. Well, I think Chad and I will definitely be collaborating on some cool stuff. Definitely. So if you're in South Florida, definitely keep an eye out for those things because there's there's a lot of very big overlap and obviously the things I talk about and Chad's expertise. So that's how we got connected in, in the first place. I know. That's amazing. So thank yeah. you so much thank for being you. on the show. This was really great. For those of you who are listening or watching, if you enjoyed it, share with a friend, subscribe, and definitely keep coming back. We're going to have more Absolutely. amazing shows and have a wonderful end of the semester. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Chad.